You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll continue in our new series with Part 16, A New Understanding, The King and the Kingdom, Part 3. Bishop Van Moody will delve into the culture of God's kingdom and how when we exhibit these traits, we can expand the kingdom of God. Let's get started. I want you to meet me in the gospel according to Matthew and good morning to all of our online family. I know that you've already been greeted, but to our family in the building, to those that are joining us online, wherever you are, we are so grateful to have you. There are some particular countries that watch us on a consistent basis and we've got a growing family there. And so to our friends in Dublin, Ireland, and to Korea and Johannesburg, South Africa, to Canada, amen. Uh, In the UK, I almost missed it. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us and to our friends that may be joining us online from different cities and states around the U.S. and other cities that I did not name and other countries I did not name. God bless you as well. Matthew chapter 20 and verse number 20. I want to start reading there. It says, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked, and she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered, and Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. Now, when the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. And Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Now, family, we've been talking about this new understanding, the king and the kingdom for the last several weeks, and we just want to pick up with part three of, of a new understanding, the king and the kingdom. Now, this is a very special Sunday, and I shared with you a moment ago how excited we are to be able to bless these organizations that we support missionally, this church that we're going to save from foreclosure. Um, and it's a special Sunday because we look forward to this all year. And I'm super excited. I hope that all of you will watch on Christmas Eve. We're having an online Christmas service. It's going to be incredible. You're going to be able to hear from the leaders of these organizations that we support and sponsor. It's going to be an absolutely incredible online service. It'll um, be online Christmas Eve, and then it'll be on replay all day on Christmas. There are some friends from around the world, Take Six and Committed, and some other amazing groups that are part of this Christmas cantata, and it's going to be absolutely incredible. But I am super excited because you're also going to be able to see the impact that your giving is making. And I think that there's an extremely important connection between what we're doing today and giving to these organizations and in what we're going to see in the Word of God as we get into part three of this teaching. 
Now, we know that we're in the season of Advent. We know that later on this week, we're going to celebrate the birth of our Savior uh, on Christmas. And that's really what we have been looking at as we have been in this series, a, a new understanding, the King and the Kingdom. We're getting into part three of this teaching this morning, but I really want to kind of pick up where we left off on last week. We've been talking lots about that Jesus was born not just as our Savior and as a high priest, but also as our King. And as our King, he came to usher in and to restore to us the kingdom of God. Now, it's important then that we also understand in successive weeks as we've been teaching that every kingdom manifests itself in the lifestyle and in the culture of the people that live within that kingdom. This is important for us because it means then as kingdom citizens, if you are a believer, that the nature of the king and the kingdom should be evident through us. Let me give you an example of this. If you've ever been, for an example, to the British Virgin Islands or other um, parts of the Caribbean that are British territories, then you probably notice several things. You probably notice, for an example, that they speak English, but their English is a little bit different. They speak what's called the Queen's English or British English. You probably notice that they drive, for an example, on the left side of the road. And, and you probably notice a number of things that are different from our culture and our customs here in the U.S. But they're different on purpose because they do all of those things um, that we may consider different from the way we do things in the U.S. because they are part of the British kingdom. So they do those things because their lifestyle and their culture reflects the British kingdom that they belong to. And likewise, that should be the same for us. As we've been talking about the kingdom of God the last several weeks, it's important for us to understand that the culture of the kingdom ought to be evident through our lives as kingdom citizens. Now, in our understanding of God's kingdom, it is extremely important that you recognize, that you hear this, that you receive this. And that is that it is God's intent that for us as kingdom citizens, that we exhibit, that we take on, that we live out the culture of the kingdom. As a matter of fact, there ought to be evidence that we are citizens of the kingdom of God and that evidence ought to be through our lives. This is part of the reason why the Bible talks so much about how believers should live. Even, even the title Christian, if you wear that title, that, that word Christian means Christ-like. All of that title points to the fact that there ought to be a marked difference in the way that we live, that, that as kingdom citizens, as believers, our language, our lifestyle, our thinking, our living ought to reflect that we belong to the kingdom of God. Now, in part one of this teaching series, I shared with you, and we looked at it over and over and over again in scriptures after scriptures after scriptures that Jesus predominantly taught about the kingdom of God, that that was the dominant theme of his preaching and teaching. Uh, often he would talk about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. The very first thing he said is that the kingdom of God is at hand. And we looked at that. But what I want you to recognize this morning is that the reason that that's important is not only because you need to know about the kingdom and what it means as a kingdom citizen, but I want you to notice then that Jesus did not come preaching religion. He came preaching the kingdom of God. 
That's a really, really important distinction, so I'm going to say it again. Jesus did not come preaching religion. He came preaching the kingdom. And that's important because you can practice religion, but you cannot practice being a citizen in the kingdom of God. This is part of the reason why some people are great on Sunday, but then they're a mess Monday through Saturday. Because you know what they're doing on Sunday? They're practicing religion. But you can't practice citizenship in the kingdom. Being a kingdom citizen is a 24-hour-a-day reality, and that's what God wants. He doesn't want people who are simply practicing religion. He wants people who are citizens of the kingdom of God, and that citizenship ought to be evident in the way they talk and in the way that they live. On one occasion, Jesus was once again teaching about the kingdom of God. And in Matthew 13, around verse 33, he told him another parable, it says, and it goes like this. He says, the kingdom of heaven, some translations say the kingdom of God is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Why is this significant? Because Jesus is teaching about the influence of the kingdom of God. Bakers know that there's... A particular thing about yeast, that once you introduce yeast into something, you cannot remove it. And although it works through very slowly, eventually the yeast will permeate the entire batch of dough. This is Jesus talking about the influence of the kingdom, and it means two things for us. Number one, on a personal level, he's saying as kingdom citizens, the kingdom of God ought to permeate every area and aspect of your life. But then secondly... On a much broader level, what he's teaching us is that God wants his kingdom here on earth to be ever expanding. That our purpose as kingdom citizens is to work with the king to increase the size of God's kingdom here on earth. This is why, as I taught you on last Sunday, whether you are a king or a priest, whether you are an anointed marketplace minister or whether you are a priestly minister our roles are ordained of God to expand his kingdom so then how do we do it that's the question we expand the kingdom of God by exhibiting the culture of the kingdom how how do we as kings and as priests make sure that the kingdom of God is permeating this, this world and transforming this world. How do we manifest what Jesus taught us to pray? That his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We do it by manifesting the culture of the kingdom. What is the culture of the kingdom? I'm glad you asked. Number one, the culture of the kingdom of God is servanthood. The culture of the kingdom of God is servanthood. Now, I, I told you. A moment ago, but it bears repeating. Every kingdom, every country has a culture. And what is the culture? The culture is the manifestation of the nature of that country or that kingdom in its lifestyles, customs, and morals of the people. In other words, every country, every kingdom has unique qualities, characteristics, customs, traditions, and social practices that distinguish it from other countries and other kingdoms. And what this means for us is that when we become kingdom citizens, the culture of the kingdom ought to manifest itself in our life in a way that is distinctly different from the world that we're living in. 
because kingdom culture is different than the world's culture. The kingdom of God operates under different principles, different laws, different values than the world. And so when you are a kingdom citizen exhibiting a kingdom culture, it produces a totally different culture that will cause you to stand out from the culture of the world. One of the clearest characteristics of kingdom culture is that kingdom culture is characterized by service. This is important because the cultures of the world are different. The, the culture of the world is an is a every man, a woman for themselves, dog eat dog kind of environment. That's the culture of the world. But the culture of the kingdom is service. That's why we show these images of, of how we've served and the things that we're committed to because that's the culture of the kingdom, whereas the culture of the world is totally different. See, the culture of the world is about step on whoever you need to step on, step over whoever you need to step over, do whatever you need to do to take care of you. The culture of the kingdom, though, is different because it is measured by service and giving of yourself. That's why servanthood is the kingdom culture. This is what Jesus modeled in word and in deed. This is what he taught was a fundamental principle of kingdom life, that if you're going to be a citizen of the kingdom, you have to be a servant. This is why that passage we looked at a moment ago is so important. Come with me for a few moments. Let's kind of go back to Matthew 20. Let's go back to it because let's put it in context and break it down because uh, James and John's mom, they just, she's just looking out for her babies. It says, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus, kneeling down and asked for a favor. He says, what is it that you want? And she said, well, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. And he says, well, you don't really know what you're asking. Jesus said, can y'all drink the cup from which I'm going to drink? They said, we can. He said, okay, you're going to drink that cup. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom have been prepared by my father. This woman was like all loving mothers. She wanted the best for her boys. She wanted them to be great men of influence and authority. And and what she had hoped was that she would persuade Jesus to promote her sons to positions of greatness and power. Her problem, though, was that she approached this issue and this matter with an attitude and with the value system of the world. She doesn't understand that the kingdom of God operates differently. She she doesn't understand that the values and the standards and the principles and the priorities of the kingdom are different from the world. And this is why Jesus responds the way that he responds. He he doesn't give them what they're hoping for. Uh, He says, yeah, I can't can't grant that. That's not for me to grant. That's for my Father in heaven. Those choices and decisions are for my Father in heaven um, to decide. Now, on the side... While he's having this conversation with, with, with mama and, and, and our boys, the disciples are overhearing it, and they are hot. That's why the NIV says they were indignant. That, that's, a, that's a nice way of saying they were upset. They were angry. You hear me? And, and so they were upset about all of this, and Jesus saw that as an opportunity to also teach them about what it really means to be great in the kingdom of God. And so in verse 24, it says, when the 10 heard this, they were indignant with the two brothers and Jesus called them together and said, listen, y'all know how the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them 
and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. He's saying there has to be a difference. You cannot behave like the world does, that, that you are part of a different kingdom. You can't roll like that. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And he says, and let me give you my life as an example. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He says, that's why I'm doing what I do. He says, I am the prime example. Jesus is saying that in the kingdom of God, listen to me, you do not find greatness by going after titles or positions. Greatness in the kingdom of God does not come by advancing over your coworkers and then lording it over them, saying, ah, yeah, you see this? You see my nice office now? You see my title? You see how much money I'm making now? That's not how the kingdom operates. In the kingdom of God, listen to me, you serve your way to greatness. You don't connive your way to greatness. I said something and you didn't get it, so I'm going to say it again. In the kingdom of God, you serve your way into greatness. You don't connive, hook, crook, or steal, or scheme your way into greatness. The mother of James and John saw greatness for her son. She wanted them to be great, but she, she was trying to get it, watch this, through association instead of dedication. She wanted greatness for her boys by virtue of who they knew instead of how they served. I'm teaching better than you responded. She, she, she had hoped to kind of exploit the inner track that our boys had. You know, they came home probably one day talking about, Mama, man, this man, Jesus, oh, my gosh, he's raising folk from the dead, turning water to wine. He is the son of God. And she was probably like, what? Word? For real? When's the next time y'all coming through town? I want to talk to that Jesus. She probably rolled up like, now, Jesus, you know my boys are good. You know they've been serving you real well and taking care of you. Here's what I need. I need you to hook them up. See, 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 she was thinking that y'all got that inner track with Jesus. He knows y'all. He knows how good y'all are. Jesus, go and hook my boys up. Now, now, here's the thing. She was going about it the way that the world goes about it. That's how the world operates. In the world, you get ahead by who you know. But Jesus shut that idea down. He says, no, 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 no. Not in my kingdom. It doesn't work like that. In my kingdom, you don't achieve greatness. Y'all hope y'all get this. You don't achieve greatness in the kingdom of God by who you associate with. He was saying, instead, you achieve greatness in the kingdom of God by how well you serve others. That's when the crickets start happening in the room. Because we will shout about the cars and stuff coming to us. But what about when it's time for us to bless others? Jesus says the greatness in the kingdom of God doesn't doesn't come the world's way. It happens by how you serve. And in his own life, he was the perfect example. Jesus, as the son of God, came not to be served, but to serve. And to serve to such a degree that he was willing to give his life as a ransom for many. And here's the truth, y'all. If, if it was appropriate for Jesus, and he is our Savior and our example in all things, First Peter says, then it's appropriate for us. See, the, the, the road to greatness in the kingdom of God leads through the valley of humble service. Jesus says, listen, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Y'all still not talking to me. Okay, let me say it this way. In the kingdom of God, 
What God looks at is not how high you go, but instead how low you stoop. Let me say it another way. Let me say it another way. In the kingdom of God, what God looks at is not how many titles you have, but instead how many towels are you willing to pick up? I'm teaching better than you responded. Everybody wants titles. But God says, who's willing to pick up the towel? This is why even in Philippians chapter 2, which is one of the most, in my humble opinion, important passages on this topic. I love it. It says in verse 5, it says in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing. That's what we celebrate on Christmas, that he wrapped himself in human flesh, laid down for nine months in Mary's belly, was, was born as, 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 a, as a baby. He wrapped himself in human flesh and made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. And he humbled himself to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore. Now, when you read scripture, whenever there's a therefore in the scripture, you got to figure out what the therefore is there for. And God says, because he did all of this, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name. That is above every name. Do you, do you see it? Because he served, he was exalted. Because he grabbed the, the, the towel, that's how he got the title. Do you hear what I'm trying to teach you? And it says that we are supposed to be just like that. This is why we do what we do. This is why we serve. This is why we're stepping in to help other churches. This is why we, we, we sow 10% of everything that comes into this ministry to these other ministries. This is why we do it. And, and I know the world will tell you, man, do you know, y'all can take that money, you all can do this, and, and there's still some, some stuff around the worship center that needs to be done. There are lots of things around TWC that need to be done, but that's not the point. The point is that the kingdom principle is that God will bless when you serve. The kingdom principle is if you want to become great, you got to be last. Oh, I hope you get it. But, but here's, here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. Since we're in the, the deep end of the pool, let's just go ahead and go all the way in. Let's just go all the way in. Number two, servanthood separates the sheep from the goats. Ser servanthood separates the sheep from the goats. Now, once again, Jesus is teaching this. Let me show you Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31. In Matthew 25 and verse 31, it says this. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory... And all of the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goat on his left. Now, Jesus is talking about the end times. He's talking about when, when Christ returns, when he returns and when he judges the whole world. And he says that what he's going to do is he's going to gather the nations before him and then all of us are going to be judged. And when he judges us, we're going to fit in one 
of two categories. Either we're going to be sheep who are considered righteous, which he's going to put on his right hand, or we will be considered goats that are unrighteous and will be placed on his left. Now, here's the interesting thing, and our tech team was showing images of, of sheep and goat just a moment ago. But, but here's the interesting thing, and they may put that back up on the screen. But here's the interesting thing about this. Sheep and goat look a lot alike. Sheep and goat, particularly at different times in their life cycle, is hard to tell the difference between a sheep and a goat. To the untrained eye, you might think that a goat is a sheep. We, we might see them and say, oh, my goodness, they pray so well. Oh, they are surely sheep. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man, they're so anointed to sing. Oh, they surely got to be, they got to be sheep. You could be looking at a goat and say, oh, they're always serving, and they're always leading small group, and they can preach so well. They must be sheep, but you don't know that they're goats. To the untrained eye, they look alike, they may sound alike, they may walk alike, they may talk alike, but there's a difference. And the whole point of the entire passage is that Jesus says, here's what's going to happen on the day of judgment. God is going to separate the sheep from the goat. That, that you and I may not be able to tell the difference, but God can. Watch this. And the, the, the distinguishing characteristic that will separate the sheep from the goat. Listen to me. It is not how anointed they are. Oh, my gosh. I feel like preaching up in here. It is, it, is, it is not how many titles they have. It is not how many albums they produce. It is not whose stage they stand on. Jesus says the defining characteristic that will separate sheep from goat is who's willing to serve. Oh, my goodness. Teach, Bishop. I'm trying. Here's the defining characteristic is servanthood. Let me show it to you. Verse 34, Matthew 24, it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And that's a, a sermon in and of itself. Notice the inheritance is not heaven. The inheritance is the kingdom of God. You don't have to wait until you get to heaven and you got a robe and I have a robe. We're going to walk around heaven all day. No, no, no. There's a kingdom that God wants to bless us with right now that was created since the foundation of the world. But I digress. He goes on and says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Jesus says that those sheep that he's going to put on the right, that are righteous, the distinguishing characteristic is, is servanthood. He says what sets them apart from the goat, from the unrighteous, is that they were willing to serve. He said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was in prison and you came to visit me. I was naked and you clothed me. Notice that all of these acts of compassion that Jesus is talking about, he is referencing it like it was performed to him. He says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Jesus so identifies with the hungry and the thirsty and the sick and the destitute and the downtrodden and the cast off of the world that he regards any act of compassion towards them as being done to him. 
In other words, whenever we take care of the needy, whenever we serve others, we are serving the king. Now watch this. Then the righteous, pick me up at verse 37. It says, then the righteous, then the righteous will answer him, well, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, well, truly, I tell you, whatever you've done for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you've done for me. So here's what they're saying. They're, They're saying, well, we were doing all of this stuff. But we didn't see you. And this is important because real servants don't have an ulterior motive. Real servants are not out to get something for themselves. They're not doing service as a stepping stone to something greater or better position. True servants live to serve and they're delighted to do it regardless of who they're serving. See, I need you to get this. See, regardless of what your job or your career or what your profession is, regardless of if you are a king or queen or priest, you need to know that our assignment from the king is to serve him by serving others. So I told you we're going to go all the way into the deep end of the pool. So let's just jump right in. This is why it's wrong to just have the mentality of let me just collect this paycheck. This is why it's wrong to to say, let me just get this money so I can drive what I want to drive and live where I want to live. No, 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 no. No, the paychecks and and all of that stuff will come, and so will the blessings if you have the right focus. If your focus is where it should be, which is advancing the kingdom of God by serving others. We are ambassadors on a kingdom mission. And if you really get this, then you will know that this gives purpose to any job, any responsibility. If, if you understand this, then you will recognize that there is no job too small. Oh, I'm not doing anything significant. No, that is a lie. What you are doing is significant because the king has placed you there on purpose to expand his kingdom. Now... Let's pause there for a moment. Let's come back to the text. And let's look at the attitude and the style of approach that the goats have. These are the unrighteous. And in verse 41, it says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty. And you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't look after me. Now watch this. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? Or a stranger needing clothes or sick or in prison and we did not help you. And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now watch this. Both the sheep and the goat address him as Lord. (laughs) They say the same things. They even know the right things to say. Oh, Lord. The problem is they were doing two different things. And the goats say... um, 
Lord, when did we see you hungry and didn't feed you? When did we see you naked and didn't clothe you? When, when were you sick and in need and in prison and we didn't visit you? Implied in the question, is there excuse? The, the goat are saying, Lord, if we just would have known it was you. Oh, Lord, we didn't know. We, we just didn't do it because we didn't think it was a big deal. But, Lord, if we had just known, if you would have just announced that you were in that organization, we surely would have given to you. We surely would have served you. But that's the whole point. The fundamental difference between the sheep and the goats that the sheep serve because they are supposed to serve. They love to serve. They know they are supposed to serve, regardless of who they're serving. It's not about rich or poor, or needy or not needy. It's about service, whereas the goats are calculated. The goats are always calculated and motivated by self-interest. They're like, oh, if we had known, Jesus, that you were there, we would have done it. But they would have done it for the wrong reasons. Goats are always thinking about, how is this going to benefit me? Will it make me look good in front of my peers? Will it bring me to praise of men and women? Will, will, it, will it put me in the company of rich and powerful people? Will it help me rise higher? That's what a goat's concerned about. Sheep don't care nothing about that. Mm -mm. Sheep treat everybody the same, rich or poor, strong or weak, lovely, unlovely, lovable, unlovable. To everybody, they, they offer the same love. They demonstrate the same compassion. They extend the same respect. Why? Because they don't do it for personal gain. Oh, I'm teaching better than you responded. They, they, they do it to honor and obey the king that they love with all of their heart. See, sheep understand this. Sheep understand that it is not serving that makes us right with God. Sheep understand that, that we serve because we are right with God. In, in other words, sheep understand that you know what, um, he went to a cross and gave up his life for a wretch like me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound to save the wretch like me. Sheep know that, that we are tore up from the floor, messed up, and really don't deserve his love. And we are in awe that he loves us in spite of us. And, and we, we are in awe that by grace through faith we are saved. And so we are recipients of that love. And then sheep say, but I can't keep that love to myself. I'm so blown away by that love that I got to turn around and share that love with other people. And so that's the motivation out of which we serve. We see people that are hurting and destitute, and we want to share the same love that God gave to us. See, the point in this passage is that neither the sheep nor the goats recognize Jesus. When he came in the disguise of the broken and the hurting and the needy. But for the righteous, it didn't matter. For the sheep, it didn't matter. They saw a need and they started serving it. For the goats, they were like, oh, I, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I got other stuff. I got to get some more, some more stuff for me. And I'm, I'm about me. How's this going to help me? But here's what I want you to understand, family. God wants us to serve others for no other reason than the fact that we love him. Now, there are some people who do serve because they want promotion. There are lots of people who serve because they want recognition. There are lots of other people who serve because they need and want the applause of men and women. Some people serve because they want gain, political gain, economic gain, social gain. But the king wants 
the culture of the kingdom to be evident from its citizens. He wants us to serve without thinking about what we're going to get in return. He wants us to serve because he served us. Because service is the culture of the kingdom. If you sit down and you start scheming and thinking, I don't know if I'm going to help them. Because I don't know what I'm going to get back. Then you're acting like a goat. Sheep simply ask, how can I help? While goats ask, what's in it for me? We ought to delight in the opportunity to serve. Because it's through service that we are literally modeling the kingdom culture. You, you can't really celebrate the birth of a savior who came for you and then walk by others who need you. You, 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 can't, you can't really worship our Savior who came to die for you, but then turn your nose up to folk who need you. I may not get any amens, maybe just a few ouches up in here. So let me, let me just give you this third and final piece. Servanthood reflects the kingdom and it brings the blessing. Because I know, I know, I know. Some of you are thinking, Bishop, this is a hard teaching. Is it wrong for us to wonder about if God is going to do anything for us? Well, well no, let me, let me help you understand this. Servanthood reflects the nature and character of the king. Service is powerful. You know what happens every time we serve in a tremendous way? And it's not just corporately, but personally. It, it transforms the lives of people. You know why? Because we live in a world that is all out for self. So it's also, it's a great, great setup by God. Because when you are selfless and serve other people, it so radically impacts them. Because we are living in a world day to day where we are bombarded with people who only look out for themselves. And so what ends up happening then is that when we serve others, you know, after the shock... And so you'll, see it on, you'll see it on Christmas Eve when we, when we present the checks to these organizations and people shout and people cry. And I mean, people sometimes, it's hard for people to even receive. We live in, the, the world has gotten so crazy that sometimes it is hard for people to even receive the blessing. What, what you want from me? No, I don't want anything. I just want to bless you. What? For real? No, for you, no, what's the, no, there's got to be, no, what you want, I, listen, I ain't trying to fool with no foolishness. No, 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 sir, I just want to bless you. And then after they get over the shock, you know what happens? They are blown away. And it, it's their transformation. It's, it's the fact that we touch their heart that, watch this, makes them intrigued. What, why did you, why did you do this? Well, I did it because I'm a believer and we live to serve. Well, what do, you, what do you mean you're a believer? Well, this is, this is the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be a kingdom follower. Are you serious? I never heard about the kingdom. I never, tell me about this Jesus and the kingdom. See, what happens? Intrigue then goes to hunger. And then hunger goes to a heart being open to receive Christ. And then when they receive Christ, they become citizens of the kingdom. And then the cycle starts over and over and over. Are you following me? But here's the thing that, that I'll leave you with. True and faithful service also brings the blessing. See, the whole point of the parable 
with the sheep is that Jesus is saying, because you all fed me, because you clothed me, because you, you, you came and saw about me, because you served, I'm going to give you the kingdom. Come, come on, come on, and, 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 and take advantage of the kingdom. Be blessed by the kingdom that's been waiting on you since the beginning of time. He says, listen, because you fed me, now I'm going to feed you. Because you clothed me, now I'm going to clothe you. Because, because you blessed somebody that didn't have uh, hope and a way, now I'm going to bless you. This is when the house and the car and the other stuff come in. He says, because you had your priorities right and you put me in the kingdom first, there's no good thing that I will hold to those who walk uprightly. Because serving others brings the blessing. I love Peter. I really identify with Peter. Because Peter's really honest. And, and this, is, this is a message that is really near and dear to my heart. Not just because we're receiving this special offering today. It's so much bigger than that. This is a, this is a, a word that, that I've been living. My life has totally been transformed. And it started 20 plus years ago when I got this truth. As a matter of fact, I, I want to show you something in Luke 18. And I wish all you could see my Bible. This is the Bible that my, uh, my youth pastor gave me. And this Bible has been recovered and rebound. Uh, but I've been reading this Bible uh, almost 30 years. And in Luke 18, this passage is highlighted, asterisk, underlined, circled. I mean, because this passage right here is what set me free. Because let me just confess, since nobody else in this room is, hi, my name is Van, and I'm a recovering selfish person. Let, let me just, let me just I acknowledge that. And I used to be one of those kind of people that was like, what's in it for me? And is this going to help me? Because I was highly driven and I had a plan and I was trying to work my plan. And my plan wasn't going nowhere. Like Paul, I was kicking against the bricks and I had, a, I had an attitude with the Lord. You know, we get them attitudes. Y'all don't want to talk. Let me talk over here. Can we be honest? You know the attitudes we get with the Lord. I can't believe Jesus. I've been faithful and fasting. I can't believe you're not doing this for me. And then we go to service and we don't want to worship. Mm. I'm here, Jesus. I was that guy. And I read this passage. And it changed my life. It said a certain ruler asked him, this is Luke 18 and verse 18. Good teacher, what's, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. And he says, well, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony and honor your father and your mother. And he says, oh, all of these things I've kept since I was a boy, he said. And when Jesus heard this, he said, yeah, but you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. Now, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, let me pause here because this has been so taken out of context. This, is, this, this text has been so incorrectly taught because there have been people that have tried to suggest that this means that God doesn't want you to have anything. It's not what this means. In fact, if you keep reading the verse, which we are in a moment, you'll see this. What Jesus is saying to this young ruler is your whole life has been about you. 
Because when he says, you know, honor thy mother and father, don't commit adultery, you know, uh, don't bear false witness. These are on, he says, oh, check, check. I got that, Jesus. I've been doing that. He's saying, he's saying, yeah, but you've been doing well because all of that's about you. You've been living a life that's been selfish and self-absorbed. It's been about you. And Jesus says, but there's one thing you lack. You're not others focused. He says, so here's what I need you to do. I need you to take everything you have, sell it, give it to the poor, then come follow me. And it says that he dropped his head. One translation says that he ran up to Jesus, but then when he heard from Jesus, he walked away real slow. Because Jesus was saying, you got to stop living for yourself and begin to live for other people. And at that, it says he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Because his whole life was about him. Now, I know how that feels. And what I like about Peter is that Peter is so honest. Because Peter speaks up. It says, it says that, um, let me find myself, find my place. Where is it? There it is. Those who heard this asked, well, then who can be saved? Now, Peter and the other disciples are over here. They're like, oh, snap. They're like, man, did y'all hear what he just said? They're like, oh, man, we ain't, ain't nobody going to get in. And they're over there having that talk, and they're freaking out. And Peter's like, I'm just going to ask. I'm just going to ask. Y'all too scared to ask. I'm just going to ask. And Peter's like, uh, 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 Jesus, uh, hey, man, uh, let me just holler at you for a sec. Um, we heard, you know, we were like, wow, you know, but uh, we left everything. You know, I mean, I was an entrepreneur. You know, I, I was working in my father's business. We, we, left, we left everything. And I, and I can't prove that Peter, I can't prove this in Scripture, but I really believe he had a little bit of melanin in his skin. I really believe that. I, I really believe that because I really think the real translation is Peter says to Jesus, we left everything for you. We left it all, Jesus. And he says, watch this, he says, so then what do we get? He says, what, what do we get? He says, we left it all to follow you. What do we get? And here's the shouting part. Jesus responds and says, truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who's left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much. Wait a minute. In this age. Look at somebody around you and just tell them, that means right, right up and through here, up and through here. That, that means in your lifetime. That means you don't have to wait till you get to heaven and get your robe to walk around heaven all day. That means Jesus says, if you've given up anything for me and the kingdom, I will make sure that you get it back many times over in this life. That's the blessing. He says, I don't mind you having stuff. I just don't want stuff to have you. I don't want that to be your focus. I want you to serve others. I'll get a blessing to you if I can get it through you. Listen, I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close with this. See, part of the reason, Sharon, that y'all messed me up with that, uh, with that song, uh, you, you deserve the praise and worthy is your name. Part of the reason y'all messed me up, I didn't even know that y'all were going to sing that this morning. And in my quiet time this morning, that's what I was listening to. And I was just weeping and weeping and weeping and carrying on because, because I was reflecting on my life. And since y'all don't want to talk, let me tell you my story. 
21 years ago, I was sitting in my master's graduation. I was in Atlanta and I was graduating with my master's and uh, I was sitting in the graduation and I was depressed. And I was depressed and, and all my family and friends and my mom and everybody was there and they were celebrating me and you know, you go man, you got your master's and blah, 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 blah. And it, was, it was supposed to be a, a great celebratory time but I was really depressed and I was weeping in the graduation. Because I recognized that up until that point in my life, everything was about me. And I remember thinking, and I was having a conversation with the Lord in the graduation. So 21 years ago, this would have been 2000. And I was sitting in the graduation saying, Lord, why am I not happy? Why am I not joyful? And as clear as I'm talking to you, Holy Spirit said to me, because you have yet to really live for the Lord. I said, God, what are you talking about? He says, everything you've done, you did. It's been about you. He says, but if you really want to experience the joy of the Lord and, and, and the peace and the life that I've called you to give, lay your life down and begin to serve me fully, not just in name, because I was preaching a gospel, but I was still living a selfish life. And God said, no, no, really live for me. Go where I tell you to go. Do what I tell you to do. Serve however I tell you to serve. And I remember sitting in that graduation like it was yesterday. And tears were flowing down my face. And I said, yes, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Yes, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And shortly thereafter, God said, go to Italy. And then uh, after that, God said, go to Germany. And then when I came back, God said, I need you to go down to Florida where you don't know anybody. And I need you to serve the vision of another man down there and I'm thinking wow that's not my plan but I went down to serve and to do the will of the Lord and let me tell you how God blessed me God blessed me with my wife and then my wife and I got blessed with children do you hear what I'm trying to tell you I went to serve and I got blessed I wish y'all would hear me then I was down in Florida and, and I was serving other ministries and a man named Sam Pettigrew called me and said I need you to come to Birmingham Never in a million years that I even imagined I'd ever be in Birmingham. But I said, God, I told you I'd go serve. And, and I went to serve. And look at how God has blessed me. 17 years later, the worship center and, and everything that we've been able to do. Not because I went looking for it. Not because I tried to make it happen. But because I served. And so then 21 years later, Jamar on Friday when I was sitting in California, sitting in in another graduation for my doctorate of ministry, I was sitting in that graduation and I was thinking, Lord, what a difference 21 years makes. I was looking back over my life and this time when tears were running down my face, I wasn't crying because I was depressed. I was crying because I was overwhelmed by the goodness of the Lord. This is why he's worthy to be praised. This is why I give glory to his name because he deserves all the praise and all the glory. I'm talking to some of y'all and you can't worship if you're still thinking about you. If it's still about you, you can't worship him right up and through here. But where are the sold out folk? Where are the people that are willing to lay their life down and serve because he first served us? If you're here, then you can give him praise. You can give him glory. You know that worthy, worthy is your name. Jesus, you deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. If it's not about you, you can say that. Worthy is your name. If it's not about you, you can gather around the Christmas tree and still say, Worthy is your name. Yeah.
You deserve the praise. You deserve the glory. This is maybe for one or two of you. Maybe it's for one of you watching me online. And you may be in a place and you're saying, God, when is, when is it going to change? And when are things going to occur in my way? And when is it really going to happen? It's going to happen when you stop thinking about you. And just decide to serve. I got to a place where I said, God, it doesn't matter. If you never make any of my dreams come true. It doesn't matter, God, if you... If you got a plan for me that's so different than the plan I have for myself, I'll just serve you. And can I tell you that God has done exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I've been able to ask, think, or imagine, but not because I did it. He did it because I was willing to serve. I'm well over my time, but I feel the anointing of God right here. For one or two of you, the word of the Lord is, stop worrying about the titles. Pick up the towel. The word of the Lord, for many of you, is if you get low, he'll lift you up. The word of the Lord is, if, if you serve his will, he will blow your mind. That's the word of the Lord. If, if you serve others, God will bless your life. Thank you, Lord. The Lord says, he who waters others will himself be refreshed. God says, if you serve others, if you become other focused, God says, I bless your life. I elevate you. I'll do things that you never thought were possible. Father, my, my time is up. But God, I bless your name. I thank you for those who had a heart to receive this word. God, I pray that as we celebrate Christmas and even as we position ourselves for this new year, that you, Father, would get all of the glory out of this church, that you would get all of the glory out of our lives, Lord. Lord, we want to be sheep, not goats. We want to be sheep, not goats. We want to be sheep, not goats. Forgive us, Lord, for the selfish times. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we were only concerned about us. Forgive us, Lord. We want your glory. We want you to be exhibited in our lifestyle and in our culture. And so, Lord, you deserve the glory. You deserve the praise. And so we say yes to your will. Yes to your way, Father. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. And all those who agree said amen. Come on, give God a praise. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Bishop Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.